0: Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the TPM podcast. My name is Zach. I'm joined here by my two very good friends, Michael and Matt. Uh, It's great to have you. Um, Yeah, we took about an 11-month hiatus here from doing this. Uh, Full disclosure, this is the second time we're trying this because the first time didn't work. Maybe someday you'll see some bloopers from that. Uh, It's like I said, uh, we've been out here for about uh, 11 months. Uh, A lot has happened in that time frame. Uh, We very much needed the time off to kind of figure out how to do adult life for a little while there. Um, Me personally, I got married to my beautiful wife, Ashley, and started my professional career, uh, for now at least, as a production engineer.
1: Uh, In that time, I also got married to my incredible wife, Lauren, and began my career as a project manager for an architectural engineering company.
2: And I learned how to play guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much the same. If you know
0: Michael, you know that saying quite a bit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, first Francis. Uh, And then I I work as a product manager for an electrochemical sensor company. God, that sounded so nerdy.
0: So TPM, Theology of Plain Men. Uh, What are we doing here, Michael? Yeah, so when we
2: started this 11 or no, more than that, November 2016, we started as HHA. And at that time, we defined it as for your edification and our verbal processing. And that really means that we're going to talk about ideas uh, for theological and social issues of today. We're going to keep it relevant. Um, keep it things that people want to talk about, a lot of questions of that nature. and we're It kind
0: of makes it sound like we're 40-year-olds trying to be <laughs> hip.
2: We're going to keep it relevant, kids. Well, what I mean by that is we're not going to get into the definition of a magho dehi, which we might actually. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, uh, we're just three guys talking about social topics, uh, and theological topics through, through a gospel lens. And that's really the focus. We want the onus to be on that we're three men who are engineers and normal guys working nine to five jobs. And we're digging into these things and doing the work to have a theology. And we don't want that to be abnormal. We want it to be consistent and normal throughout every Christian's walk, every Christian's life. So a big goal of ours is to get you to read, read the Bible, read it consistently, and dive into it Um, with that said uh, we are fallible from the get-go and if you have questions or if you have things that you'd like to discuss with us please drop a question on our blog facebook message one of us reach out over email whatever we'd love to have a conversation get dinner with you sometime that'd be excellent so we're looking to have a conversation through this and really go after topics today through a gospel lens
1: that's right, and to kick off our series of topics, we have a video from the late, great R.C. Sproul, and for those of you who don't know who R.C. was, he was a theologian, teacher, pastor, minister, he did a lot of things, but he uh, he was instrumental in all three of our lives in uh, a lot of teaching that he gave, and uh, we have a, a video clip from our friends over at Reformed Thug Life. They Videos. don't actually know who we are, but we are very big fr- uh, fans <laughs> of theirs. <laughs> we'll be friends before long. But uh, that, that, that illustrates a point that we want to get at today and to kind of kick off our, our whole understanding of, of why we're doing this and, and to kind of lay a foundation for a lot of what we're going to talk about in the future. So, Zach, you could roll the clip.
3: If God is slow to anger and patient... Excuse me. Since God is slow to anger... <laughs> we're always learning... Since God is slow to anger and patient, then why, when man first sinned, was his wrath and punishment so severe and long-lasting? Time out. <laughs> Didn't we just have that question a second ago? We did. Yeah, it's a little bit of That God's punishment for Adam was so severe. This creature from the dirt (laughs) defied the everlasting holy God. After that God had said, the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And instead of dying Thanatos that day, he lived another day and was clothed in his nakedness by pure grace and had the consequences of a curse applied for quite some time but the worst curse would come upon the one who seduced him whose head would be crushed by the seed of the woman and the punishment was too severe what's wrong with you people let me set the water straight. I'm serious I mean this is what's wrong with the Christian Church today we don't know who God is and we don't know who we are
0: all right so we're gonna we're gonna cut that there and uh, you know I want to talk about this a little bit Uh, this is a sweet video it is funny Uh, reformed thug life highly recommend checking out the rest of the videos they're (laughs) fantastic give you a good laugh but uh, so what do we get out of this video you
1: guys I I mean with with all the humor of it aside I I, I think there's really two big points that we can get out of this is that one uh, as RC explains we don't know who God is right? Mm -hmm. and so I mean of of course that's speaking generally but a a huge problem to why we ask questions that are uh, in error that have wrong presuppositions behind it is because we don't understand the character of God and all of his attributes Uh, it's clear that right that the person asking the question understands that a bit of what mercy and grace and and lovingness is but not not necessarily the full counsel of god in that but then second right is that we don't understand what sin is Mm -hmm. and the depth of that and why god giving the grace in not striking adam and eve dead right there why that is is gracious of him
0: yeah and, and we did we talked about this a little bit too where right when the question's asked you know you kind of sympathize with it like oh that is a good question like yeah. yeah that makes sense like yeah god's loving and just you know it kind of makes sense um but yet it still brings out this reaction of what's wrong with you right like what are you
1: even thinking uh, so then what's gotten us in yeah. the place of like seeing this correctly what's what's perverted our thinking about god
2: yeah uh going over what is God and what has been perverted. So when I I think of this question of how has our view of God over the course of church history been shifted, it really comes down to these two things. We get to choose God's attributes or we take God's attributes and define them for ourselves. We define what goodness is what love is what justice is we take all these things what what even holiness is we take these things and we define them based on our just subjective wants and desires or what the majority around us thinks of these opinions um and to me i think it's really it's just it's inconsistent to think of god's attributes in this way we often uh if if we as Christians assume that God is above us, at least in some aspect of our life, controls part of our life or is greater than us, but then we define his attributes. That doesn't make sense. There's a brokenness in thinking there that we're defining something that's greater than us. It doesn't make sense. So I think there's an inconsistency in how we do that. And when we define who God is, it's really boils down to either taking the attributes that we want and leaving out the rest or taking the attributes that are there and defining them for what we want. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean it's super easy, right? We see it from a a human centered view, because that's that's the level where we're coming from. Is we we want to be able to bring God down to our level and mm-hmm. say this is this is how I understand goodness. So this is what God's goodness must mean. This is how I understand justice. So this is what justice for God must look like.
3: Yeah.
1: And so. Um, I don't know. It, it, like you said, it's it's kind of hard to define the thing that mm-hmm. defines us. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think it's um, it's a matter of convenience too. I think we say that a lot. Like the if we when when we think about God, we don't frequently like to think about um, the guy who brings the hammer down, right? We, I think at least me um, a lot a lot of times in my life, I've caught myself thinking about. Um, You know, just focusing on, you know, God's love and God's grace. And um, it's inconvenient for me to try to reconcile that with bad things Mm -hmm. um, or with wrath and things that I see as uncomfortable. Um, So the convenient and easier thing to do is to just say, I don't want it. I'm not going to think about God that way. But that's not fair. And like, we'll use the word a a ton. And I hope we do is consistency. It's inconsistent to think about God that way because... We're thinking about him the way we want to and not the way he's begging to be thought about.
2: Yeah. And that really sets up the goal for this month. Our first month of doing this is answering that first question of who is God. And then next month we'll look at kind of what is sin. The, the first, before we dive into it, let's just talk about the why really quick. Um, A.W. Tozer puts it at the beginning of knowledge of the Holy Matt say it. I've just forgot
0: again.
1: i'm not quoting it perfectly but it's something along the lines of the most important thing about a man is what he thinks about god yeah yeah that's pretty close
2: and and the reason we want to talk about this is we think that the view of god is the paramount thing of a christian's faith if we define god the way we want everything else permeates and percolates from there so i like to say it uh most of the heresies of the church today come from an, a misunderstanding of who God is, and that's why we want to talk about it. So the question is, how can we have a consistent and correct view of God?
1: Well, and, and I Just one more thought even before diving into that is I think the, he- the word her- heresy can be really big and imposing yeah. and be like, you know, who then is are we as, you know, plain men if you're going with <laughs> us three, right? Or all of you being plain people assuming that most of you don't have uh you know doctorates or or a master's degree in divinity even if you do i will contend you're still a plain person we're all plain people right but you know so the question is kind of like who are you to stand up against a a heresy or a Mm -hmm. church that's an error? which of course is something else we can go into but with the point is that like these these things are affecting people's everyday lives right people look at this person you asked the question to, rc sproul right it's, it feels like a valid question right away, but we see that it's bringing us in error, and we're feeling that God is somehow being unjust toward us, yeah. or unjust toward Adam, uh, and so these are affecting you know everything about us. Like like our, like A W Tozer is saying, that is changing everything uh, because we view God differently. So it brings it down a little bit. So not just like a church level of heresy, but it's it's individual understanding of of God bringing error.
2: Yeah, yeah, that word has a lot of meaning. So thank yeah. you, thank you for better yeah. defining it there. I try to stay away from that one right. for, for that reason. It's so broad.
0: Yeah, so so getting back where we're at here. So we we've begged the question now in this video. You know, ultimately it begs the question of this misunderstanding is comes from a lack of understanding of who God is. So uh, when we want to ask the question who is God, uh, before we can do that, we need to know how to find that out. How to find the answer. Mm-hmm. So how do we find out about God? I'm going to quote
2: James White here, but it's that nasty four-letter word called work. It's going to take some work and some determination and some discipline to know who God is, and that comes from Scripture. One of the – and this brings up another question to me, how I think is usually through a, a logical step of questions, but often from my atheist friends or, or naturalistic materialist friends who come from that worldview will ask, well, if, if your uh, view of Scripture is defining who God is and God wrote Scripture – Isn't that a circular argument of reasoning? Sure. And uh, that's a a very common thing to hear in those circles. And that's where we got to start at presuppositions. For every, every argument, I hope that Zach, Matt, myself, and everyone listening, that we start at what is the person assuming to be true as they make an argument. Because that's really going to determine the end point of the argument. So I wanted to start at our presuppositions about studying the Bible. That's how we think we all know who God is. And our presuppositions are um, twofold, and, and maybe another one we, we can talk about. Uh, first, that the Bible is, is quote-unquote, theanustas, which is the Greek word for God breathed. That idea coming out of Timothy that God breathed the scriptures. Uh, we believe that to be true. We believe that God uh, is the author of the Bible through fallible men transmitted over many many years which we'll talk about textual criticism a different time Um, in the original form it was as god breathed and, and there is many many reasons to believe that this is still an accurate account of those words again we'll get into it later and then the other the second part that is one reason it's accurate is is god we believe god is transcendent he's eternal over time and he's outside of nature he cannot be defined necessarily by natural laws in every attribute or distinct he is supernatural so those those are two of our presuppositions do you guys have anything else
1: i think those are the base ones that that did you
0: did you use the word inerrant i was too busy eating jelly beans
2: (laughs) happy easter everyone Uh, I, i didn't but we also we believe that Part of God, since God breathed it, we believe that the Bible is inerrant, which means without air, that the story of scripture, the words of scripture are without air because they come directly from God. And the word of God is perfect and without air. I think that's out of Isaiah. I can't remember the exact verse. There's a lot of
1: different places. But anyway, with the the goal then being we we will see this and interpret this well if we can see consistency through it. Mm Right. And so, like Zach said, with consistency, if, if uh, God is is uh, without error in by, by definition, and if he does not lie and cannot contradict himself, he'll be consistent. And so we have to make parts of scripture work with one another. And so that that'll be our goal and how to to present this well is through, through seeking consistency in our interpretation. Yeah, um, along with that, and this is something
0: we've talked about a lot, is uh, we come to verses that seemingly don't fit and seemingly contradict each other um, at first glance. And uh, the, the danger comes when we say, uh, I'm just gonna forget I read that and I'm just gonna move on. You know, It's fine, I'm sure it's good. Uh, but like going back to what Michael said originally, James White, uh, four letter word called work. You have to do the work to reconcile these things. I, I wholeheartedly believe that this does not contradict itself. Um, it's it's perfect and it's inerrant. Um, and I need to do the work to figure out how these things fit together. So.
2: And, and, and getting back to the topic, we need to do the work to know who God is. Because if we don't know who God is, we're not going to be able to know truth versus untruth and be consistent in our world view. There's many verses that I could go to, 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. We could go into Colossians 4 or or 1 Peter 3, looking at be ready in season and out of season to give a defense for what you believe. Have your answers be filled with grace, seasoned with salt. We look at Jesus's early life. uh, When he was in the temple as a child, he knew the answers and Uh, He knew what he believed. And it's really important if if we claim that we're Christians and we claim to have an understanding of God to know why we understand that and know the truth behind it. One thing I want to point out here quick is a common uh, argument or discussion around the Bible is, well, this verse says something and I like it. So I'm going to use that verse to define it. And I'm not going to look anywhere else because that verse exactly defines what I want it to mean. John 3.16 is an example that we kind of have discussed where uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his one only son. It's, it's a beautiful picture of God. But when we look at the context of John 3, we don't go later to some of the key verses in scripture that talk about God's wrath. 3.36, uh, I think it is. And, and we don't look at the whole context of, of that whole view of God. And we just take the verse we want To define the attributes of God kind of what we're talking about so what I'm getting at is it's not the fault of the written text if we're lazy with how we interpret a a great example of this people often bring up that the Bible supports slavery or another example from history is uh, the Nazi SS uniforms had God with us in German on the shoulder and there's no way that you can get a justification of the Holocaust or the Nazi regime through a consistent view of Scripture, looking at it historically, grammatically, and contextually, it just doesn't work, and it and it's inconsistent and in uh, just contradictory to take blame the written text for the actions of the people who used it to interpret. One thing that I always think about when I, I like to read history a lot, as you guys know, uh, when I look at historical things that were used uh, that the Bible was used to defend, like slavery in certain times and yeah. and other things people use the Bible because there was a general consensus in their area that the Bible had authority. So they would take the interpretation that they wanted out of the Bible and say, look, God is justifying our action of this. But when we look at uh, the people who were using slavery, the, the people who really fought against it were Christians in the north who and, and in the south as well, who saw that the view of scripture or, or the view of slavery being used view of scripture defending slavery was inconsistent with the rest, and they saw that the value of man was not based in the color of his skin, but the value was based on the imago dei he, that that man was made in the image of God. People recognized that that was an inconsistent view and attacked it on those grounds. So, That's something that I wanted to define at the beginning.
0: Yeah, so uh, that in mind um, of how we come to know truths about God. Um, the So back to the video, the video kind of Uh, the foundation the question was built on was um, since God is loving merciful since God is good um, why finish the rest of the question you know so um, what does it so when we're gonna talk about who God is we'll stick with God is good we'll stick with that one for the sake of of this video here Um, what does it mean that God is good keeping in mind our strategy of using a good um, exegesis a good evaluation of Scripture um, what does it mean that God is good?
1: Uh, I think there's a lot of places to go to to, to talk about, um, you know, God's attributes is defined in Scripture. But, I mean, part of, part of what good is, right, means, means I mean, we think, we think of good being uh, antithetical or opposite of evil, good versus evil. And so if, if that's the the difference of evil, then, it, then good must be something without the presence of evil, something uh, as then in the theological term or the church word, holy. Right? And so when we think of the holiness of God, one of the first passages I think of is Isaiah 6, where uh, Isaiah, being a, being a prophet, an oracle of God, is in a vision uh, carried to the throne room of God. And uh, all of a sudden, he's just overcome with the holiness of God, effectively. And so he, he answers. And remember, he's not, he's not just—you would say he's not even a plain man, Right. He is, he's an oracle of God. Um, he is uh, at a prophet. He's at the top of the, the clergy, if you will. And his answer when, when being presented with God's holiness and being in his presence is, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so when placed in the presence of holiness, immediately he understand, understands himself to be an extremely unholy, unclean person. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we're going to think about what is good and see that as similar to what is, what is holy in a lot of ways, it, it goes beyond the realm of what is enjoyable to me, right? God was good to me because he blessed me in this way. Yeah. It's more than that. It's God is righteous. He is without sin, without evil. Mm-hmm. But, right, this offers op- this great hope, great joy to us because it gives us hope of, of justice and peace eventually. Mm-hmm. But it also then should be our greatest fear, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Why is
1: that? Because we are not holy. We're told be holy as your your father in heaven is holy. You know, nothing unholy will enter God's presence. Yeah, And so if... If he's going to stop evil, as so many people pray for God to do, we're evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what we're praying for. God, stop us in so many ways. It's, so uh, we have to look at it as, as a bigger, bigger view than just how God can show grace and mercy to us as being good. We have to see yeah. this as a problem for us if we don't have God's mm-hmm. righteousness and his, his grace shown to us.
0: Yeah, and I think that really, um, that idea ties really perfectly back into when we talk about our view of God being perverted. Um, When we think about good in our terms, I think about good as like, I'm doing something nice for this person. I cooked a meal for my mom and dad. Things like that. Those are are good things. Um, And oftentimes my discussion, my internal dialogue will stop there. And then that's the portrayal of good I put on God and that's not fair and that perverts god's definition of good um you know god defines good the way he does and the way he lays it out in scripture um and i need to let that speak for itself and follow suit with that
2: yep god's not good i i, I even say it sometimes where i think god's good because i got the job i wanted, or you
1: even I say it like kind of like mm, god is good yeah you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like an expression it is yeah Yeah,
2: like the thanksgiving God is good all the time all the all time. time God yeah. is good and we say that because oh good things are happening to me right. so that means God is good yeah we
0: don't often think God is good because he smote evil um, right. that's not the first thing we think of but in reality that is mm-hmm. central to the goodness of God is that he is without evil and wildly and perfectly opposed to it
2: so as you can see, the picture we're trying to paint here is the attributes of God. You need to think of holistic and, and interplaying with each other. And I think that's really demonstrated through the cross and what Jesus did. Um, this is Easter weekend when we're filming this. And when I look at the cross, when I look at the the famous passage in, in the garden where Jesus says, Lord, take this cup from me. Often we hear that, oh, the cup was the Roman cross, the, the whip, the the." the People rejecting him, the spit being thrown at him, the crown of thorns, whatever it is, that's what we think that, oh, Jesus didn't want to go to that cross. No, what was in the cup was the wrath of God. It was the wrath of God against sin, his distesting, detesting, his distaste, his disgust at sin, thinking of like Psalms 5.5, 5, just abhorring sin. That's what Jesus was afraid of. So when we look at the cross, I often there's like the famous paintings often have storm clouds in the background because it's the, the idea that or the, the verse where it says it goes dark. But also when I think of that, I see the wrath of God being poured out upon Jesus, and the wrath of God being just and God enjoying that. When we read Isaiah fifty three ten, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, him being Jesus putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. It pleased the Lord to crush him. When we see the interplay between God's wrath and the love of God being displayed in Christ, seeing him take that substitution for us, we get a better understanding of what God's love is. Yeah. We get a better understanding of how his attributes play together. And if we don't see God's wrath in the cross, we're missing the whole concept of his love. And it's going to be so much harder to display that and show that to other people if we miss the point of God's justice, his righteousness, and his holiness being poured out on Christ.
0: Yeah, um, I totally just thought of this. Um, It's the analogy of three blind people are trying to figure out what an elephant is one guy touches the leg of the elephant and says, Oh, it's a tree. One guy touches the side of the elephant. It's like, Oh, it's a wall. And you know, one guy touches the tail of the elephant. It's like, Oh, it's a a vine or a brush or something. And they're all wrong. They're not letting the whole picture speak for itself. Um, And we can do that with God's attributes, right? We can look at that and say, Oh, this is what God is, but we're only seeing the leg of the elephant. You know, we're not seeing all
1: of it and letting all of God paint his picture.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And this is, yeah, that's exactly what we're imploring imploring ourselves and and everyone listening to do is see all of the attributes of God together and how they make up how we view God, right? We have to see his holiness, his justness, his wrath, and his love, grace, mercy, and all of the other ones. There there there's so many more beyond that, but we have to use all of these because it's going to affect our view of God. And it's going to, for instance, with evangelism, when we share the gospel with other people, it's going to change how we do that. It's going to change how we show people why God is loving and, and how he displayed that love. And it's going to show them why they should ever care. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think as we kind of start to start to tie a bow on this, um, you know, if we go back to the video, um, when R.C. Sproul has this reaction, uh, and we see when he, when he's ramping up, um, uh, He says, the perfect holy God, um, why was his punishment so severe against this creature from the dirt that defied God? Um, And when we start to discover that the picture of God is more than we often think it is, um, and is different than we often think it is when we give him this limited view, um, when you have this understanding of who God is, and you look into the Bible and see what the Bible says, and then you have this understanding of who man is you have no other option but for your reaction to be what's wrong with you if someone's asking that question because if if we're asking that question um and if we're asking the question of if god is so good why was his punishment so severe if we're asking that question we don't understand who god is and who we are Mm -hmm. you don't get that if you're even asking that question
2: if you're asking that question why was his punishment so severe The presupposition like we talked about, or as we talk about presuppositions, we're presupposing that we deserve grace. We're presupposing that we deserve some kind of salvation, that we're entitled to it, that we deserve it as some aspect. It's that idea that I was valuable, so Christ died for me. That's so wrong, so wrong. We're valuable because Christ died. You have to flip it. You have to flip it. It starts from God. It goes from him. And that's where uh, the Christian follower, his value, his identity, is placed in Christ. But it's not because we were valuable that Christ died for us. That's a, a twisting that we're entitled to God's grace. We're not entitled to God's grace. we That's so impossible to show from Scripture when, when you look at it consistently.
1: So you're telling me that, that God wasn't looking out from heaven and just waiting because he, he couldn't, comprehend eternity without me. Yeah. Correct. He, he was not thinking that. He needed he needed us in heaven to to be able to make eternity worth it. That wasn't his his reason for redeeming us. No, no it was not.
2: God does not need us to be glorified. No.
0: No. In fact, he is glorified in spite of us.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um I don't know, you, any closing thoughts for you guys? Just one one last thought from me would be that I've I've heard it said before that the Christian worldview both has the highest and the lowest view of mankind. Uh the highest because every person, every human being on earth was created in the image of God. And that means there's an absolute imperative from all human beings to treat each other with dignity and respect. And that there's no room in the Christian worldview for racism or sexism or all of the other isms, if you will. But um, you know, it's, it's an equal playing field before the, the cross, uh, and, and that that deserves respect. But the lowest, in the sense, like we've talked about a lot tonight, because we are um, opposed to God naturally yeah. because of the sin of Adam, and we we need Jesus. And that we, we always want to emphasize that here is that we've t- we talked about a lot of things, but we implore everyone turn to Jesus.
2: Absolutely. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So do the work. Know who God is. Be disciplined to study it and, and, and do the W-O-R-K work. Yeah. It's worth it.
0: Thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope you guys get at least something out of this. Um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, go check out the blog. Uh, we have an anonymous question for if you have anything for us.
1: Uh, yeah, Let us know what other topics we should cover.
0: Yes, uh, that's Please. something we'd love to know as well. Uh, you can also contact us directly. We're real people. You can Facebook <laughs> message us, stuff like that. Um, Yeah, thanks a bunch, you guys. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.